welcome back to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. I'm Ed, and today I'm joined by Lauren. Hello. Nick. Hiya. Jacob. Hi. And Paul. Hello. And as you might have guessed, we are recording this over Zoom again because we are still locked down and unable to record in person. Uh, so today we're discussing the topic of sin, which <laughs> I have to admit seemed like a really amazing idea before when we were planning this, but now seems quite daunting. Um, we really realised that in this topic, uh, we're going to be brushing up against some difficult topics. So we just want to really emphasise that the thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and no one else's. Uh, with that in mind, how's everyone feeling about this topic? Yeah, good. I think it's um, it's a, a meaty one, isn't it? So there's plenty to get into, which is good. And I'm sure we'll have different opinions uh, between the five of us, so uh, be good to see see what we come up with. Yeah, I think it's something that we don't probably talk about enough, and people avoid. So that's what we wanted to grapple with. Cool. So we'll head over to Lauren, who has our first question. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, we tend to do this on a lot of the topics that we do, um, but I think it's a good a good place to start to kind of see where we're all coming at it from. So um, I guess my question is. Like when you think of the word sin, what does that mean to you personally? What kind of what angle are you going to be coming at it from? Um, so, Jacob, do you want to start us off? Yeah, uh, sin for me is is it's it's one of those things that when you when you're a kid, you're told, "Oh, you shouldn't sin, you shouldn't get into trouble." So then you just as a child and growing up, I just presumed anything that's bad is a sin. And then obviously we talk about in the Bible about the Ten Commandments. They're like big sins that you shouldn't do. So my understanding of sin is that it's very limited and very childlike, but I'm excited to learn more. Uh, but it's essentially just bad things are sins. That's how I define sins. Paul? Um, as always, when I get asked a question, I Google it first. Um, so I've got um, a couple of different definitions. Um, an immoral act considered to be transgression against divine law. Um, so morals are brought in there, which I thought was a little bit interesting. Um, then it originates from the Latin for guilty. Um, so the word sin is attributed to guilt, which again I thought was quite an interesting maybe switch on some people's perception of sin. Um, I would For me, it's always been... Um, against God's law, so quite a strict thing, but both of those kind of suggest it's maybe open to interpretation. So I thought that was a bit interesting. Yeah, I've I've always struggled with well, so struggled with sin. Struggled with the idea of of sin and how we define it and use it and yeah, I guess it always felt a little bit legalistic sometimes. Um although yeah valuable in other ways as well um but one uh i was reading rob bell like years ago and he spoke about um this idea of sin um not being just a, a random list of don't do this it's um anything that breaks god's shalom and i really liked that phrase and that idea of uh god desiring shalom for us desiring peace for us and anything that breaks that is actually going against what God wants and therefore sin. And I feel like that's a more positive spin for me on the idea of sin and what it what it's preventing us from reaching rather than 
yeah, focus, making it the focus, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think um, on, along a similar line, Ed, I think when when I start to think about um, what words mean, I immediately go to how my application of it or what, what it means to me. So I think slightly different. I know, Paul, you said that from the Latin word, the one that's in the Bible is, is um, harmatia, which is, it means to miss the mark, which I quite like that because it's, it kind of it's allowing for a mistake essentially the word guilt immediately has negative connotations but to miss the mark means just you know we've not quite got it right um i quite like that so i was trying to think of my own sort of if i had to write down a dictionary definition where would i come what would i come up with and and what i what i thought was it's a willful rebellion against god by knowingly acting against his teachings and or his character um and that for me is is what I believe the definition of sin to be, because I think we've got to you've got to know what you're doing for it to be a sin. I get which again might be a question that we we come across uh, a little bit later on. Cool, that's helpful. Um, and I guess Nick, that's like an interesting point for thinking about how sin fits for people that don't have a faith. Because if you're willingly going against God, that means one thing for a Christian. Whereas if you don't know about God and God's character like what does that look like yes you might know right from wrong but you might not yeah that's that's baffled my brain a bit then um but if I was thinking about um what I think of when I think of sin I always think of the illustration that we were probably shown as kind of like children um of the concept that like God intended to live in harmony with man and then the whole Adam and Eve thing separated us so then um god and man were separate and then when jesus came he made the cross and he made the bridge to get back to god um and that that that's always the picture that i think of when i think of sin um is that it's something that separates us from god um it stops us living kind of in that peace that you were talking about ed um so that's kind of where i go when i think about sin Mm. is it something that people think about a lot does this uh, kind of dominate a lot of your your thinking time or is it something that kind of just comes up every now and then i think linked to nick's definition when he says that you willingly do something uh, when I, I i only really think of sin when i feel like i may have done something and i have to question myself is that a sin or in that sort of context like i don't i don't try and let sin like control my life in the sense of that i'm always actively looking out to not do sins i'd rather be actively looking out just do good stuff and do things in God's name that that aren't sinful, basically. I think that's really healthy, Jacob. I think like I was listening to a podcast and there was a, a Sikh guy and they were talking about um, uh, like the the state of ego and and sort of questioning why you do things and what you do. I think for that that definition that I gave to hold, you've got to be brutally and truthfully honest with yourself as far as. You know, are we are we telling ourselves a story so we can get away with it in inverted commas, or are we um, are we being honest about what we think and what we're convicted of uh, through the Holy Spirit? So I think questioning what we do is is a really important part of that. Um, that can that can go right through to uh, what coffee and chocolate we buy um, and what kind of things we're supporting with our money, uh, right through to the individual you know choices that we make day to day of the things that we say to people the way we act when we're on our own rather than in groups um but i think it's healthy i think without getting 
really bogged down and questioning everything. Should I be doing this? Should I be doing this? But I think the bits that way it prompts you and you think, oh, actually, am I sure about this? I think that's a really, really healthy position to be in because it grows your understanding as to uh, what the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you, but also, you know, it'll it, grow your understanding as to what you think, what your own definitions of words and, and how you want to live your life are going to go as well. I guess it's it's kind of a, a bit more of a wishy-washy way of putting it. Um but I think it's really helpful to to question choices and to think, particularly when you're prompted to do so. That's the most important thing, and and being honest with yourself. Yeah, it's very linked to mindset, isn't it? In the sense of that, if you've got a glass half full kind of mindset, you are going to want to question yourself if you're doing wrong things. Whereas you've got a glass half empty mindset, you're going to be thinking, uh, you're not going to be bothered if you're committing sins or not. Or oh, personally, that's what I see myself like. Like if I'm more optimistic about something, I'm going to be looking away from sin. And then if I do find a sin, I'm going to actively want to get rid of that or question it. I feel, I feel, I feel it's a difficult topic, really, because I, 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 for a long time, I, I feel like I haven't um, really grappled with the idea of what is and what isn't sin, and trying to go through all of the things that could be considered what and. I guess that's because like fundamentally I guess I don't think these these sins these rules are just God coming up with a random list of things he does and doesn't want and throwing at them. I think that they are a guideline for how we can live life in all its fullness. And I think that when we when we do sin and when we do fall short that the the only thing that's hurting is ourselves. Well, it can hurt other people ourselves and others. But um Actually, that is preventing us from living life in all its fullness, even if that might seem like we're getting short term gain. It is damaging us in, in ways perhaps we we don't always see overtly. And I think that's why that's why it's there in the Bible. That's why um, we have the commandments. That's why Jesus kind of gave us insights in how to live to draw us into life in, full, in, its, in all its fullness rather than just giving us a list of arbitrary commands to follow. Yeah, I think it's interesting because if you look further back, sort of before people could read or before the Bible was translated, a lot of the things that we would see as your list of sins, like do not do this, do not do this, do not do this, a lot of them came from the preachers, the pastors, being the only ones who could read the Bible. Therefore, they were the ones interpreting it for people on mass. So we see this list of things and through sort of modern church, at least in Western church, um, a lot of lists of things that we shouldn't do are sort of indoctrinated into everyday church life. Um, whereas I think you're right. I think Jesus didn't talk so much about sin. He talked more about if you do this, you'll live a good life. So by, by proxy, the opposite, but we've kind of concentrated on making sure that everyone knows what not to do, not what people should do. I think historically, at least what you were saying, Ed, I think links into um, the, the idea of King, the kingdom, doesn't it? And, and, and God's kingdom on earth. And if, and, and sin is almost a separation of that. So that's, that's the bit that you're missing out on by going that way. And, and although from an earthly perspective, you may gain a, an advantage or benefit from it. Um, it's very short term. Whereas actually what you're missing out on is much more fulfilling and much more, um, worthwhile and rewarding so I think those those two kind of go hand in hand I think separation yeah. is probably um, the right word to use as sin is a separation of of uh, the um, joining with God's kingdom on earth 
So James 4 verse 17 says, it's actually quite linked to your definition, Nick. It says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. So to me, that it's very linked to your definition there, and it's from the Bible, so you must be doing something right. I think that links to my question as well for, for today, which was, um, is there such thing as, as um, individual sin or, or is what's the sin for me different to what's the sin for other people or everyone else? I guess, is it an, is mm. sin an objective or a subjective um, mm. concept? And I don't know what you guys think about that. I've not really thought um, thought enough through to get a, a nailed down definition, but what do you guys think? I think my instinct is, yes, it is. Um, if we follow this train of thought of uh, God giving us these uh, lists of um, or lists, the, these ideas of how to best live about um, coming from his nature of loving us, what is going to be loving for one person as a lifestyle isn't going to be loving for another. And that's very linked into our localities, like our, our context, where we live who's around us and what sort of character we are. There's so many variables about how we can live life to all its fullness that I think to have one very kind of legalistic set of firm rules doesn't seem loving to me and it, it, seem, it seems restrictive. Um, yeah, and more, more, I guess, in line with kind of like dogma and stuff that is is designed to restrain and that's that's one of the big criticism that that the church has had in the past is that they've used this idea of sin to oppress people really that we've got to be honest that's what people criticize the church for in the past doing and there is some real basis for that criticism with some of church history um i don't think we can ignore that yeah it's difficult when you're trying to deal with absolutes as well and and um and moral absolutes i was chatting with a, a non-christian friend earlier on today and uh, and they asked you know what you know what what was the subject of tonight's podcast um which was great to give me an opportunity just to to first of all share a little bit but second of all to get a bit of a better understanding as to what someone who's not come from a church background thinks about things um we kind of got onto the topic of morality and um, and moral absolutes, and it's it's a, such a difficult thing. It's the the old um, um, saving a life with a train scenario. I don't know if you're familiar with that. So it's the um, most people would agree that that murder was morally wrong, but give present with an opportunity where you could pull a lever to kill one person but save two hundred. The most people would agree that that killing one person is is better but then it's still the same he's still saying that that murder is wrong so there's a bit of a a paradox there and it's very difficult to deal with moral absolutes but i guess that's kind of what the um the the nature of sins we're trying to grapple with here is what what are those absolutes for for us individually um linking back to question i think now i've thought a little bit more about it i think individually makes a lot more sense as you say different backgrounds different characters different upbringings different um generations different um nationalities will all have different um challenges um to to tackle so i think when we're trying to nail down an an absolute definition it'd be very very difficult because between the five as we've we've already established we've got five different definitions and then within that we've got our own five different um approaches to it so it's um it's quite a difficult um topic but i think it's definitely worth worthwhile discussing and chatting through because i think we can definitely grow understanding the one thing i'd struggle with is 
when we say that sin's individualistic is how do we build like churches and stuff if everyone's got a different opinion on what sin in, or what a sin is? Like, how do we go about building a church where everyone's got an individualistic list, list, quote unquote, quotation marks that you can't do on a podcast? Sin. Like, how would we go about forming that? I think to answer your question, Jacob, that I think um, the grace is the answer. Like, how how do we appreciate each other's points of view and where we where we um, fall short? I think that's the big thing. I think that's sometimes quite what quite a lot of our churches are, are missing is that grace to cut each other a little bit of uh, of slack at times um, and to say, do you know what, you're dealing with your stuff. I'm dealing with my stuff, but we've got this thing in common in that we know that there's an all-loving God um, and who, who, who's who got our backs. Um, but that's a lot more easily said than done, isn't it? Yeah, and I totally agree with that, Nick. And I think it's acknowledging that we're all on a journey in our own relationship with God. And so I like acknowledging that and saying, you're, you're dealing with like where you are and I'm going to love you through that and we'll support you. But I think it, as long as somebody is actively seeking to continue that journey and is trying to turn towards God and, and pursue God, then I think as a church we have to show grace and we have to show forgiveness and we have to acknowledge why Jesus did what he did. It was because sin was separating us from him and he's overcome that. I think the other thing, the other side of that is that we need to get better at talking and discussing stuff because, you know, as much as I I totally agree, we need to have grace for where we disagree. Actually, if we were better at discussing and not um, arguing and debating in that um, in that Jewish tradition that they had back, you know, in first century Palestine, where they would openly debate stuff emotionally and none of that would become a personal uh, attack on people. But they would be able to, like, share thoughts and opinions. Um, I think we, we've lost that. Um, we've definitely lost that ability to discuss stuff in an open way. Yeah, I agree. You can see it a lot, particularly on uh, online with people talking politics and I know there's a lot of political stuff going on at the moment with um with what's happening in America and also the the COVID situation. Um and you can see people um it get it can get very personal very quickly. Um and I and I'd agree, Ed, I think that to to debate things intelligently is to I mean someone once said what's the point in having a mind if you can't change it? Um, and I really like that because it, it kind of it, it throws out well change, changing your mind is a positive thing rather than you know sometimes I feel like we have to stick our flag in the ground and that's that and and particularly this podcast is a great example from what I think at the beginning to what I think at the end usually changes my mind to, usually gives me a point to think further upon something to then change my mind so um, I think the debate is really 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 important um, but yeah it's difficult and sometimes it's hard if someone's kind of if it feels like an attack on you if someone's attack if someone's taking yeah. to bits what you're saying it's got to be centered around love and grace hasn't it absolutely yeah and and the common ground of which we're all trying to you know do and trying to live better better lives and and as part of the, the kingdom of god so um i think yeah it's it's a challenge for me that i think because it's easy to, it's easy just to pull someone to bits and think that well they're an idiot but really Actually, that's not very constructive and not very helpful. Um, but and I think the other part of it is 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 
do we back off engagement of conversations around big topics? Um, I know even just when we're chatting about what we're going to discuss in in the podcast, we can sometimes be you know a bit aware of sensitive subjects, which obviously is worthwhile. Um, but certainly, that sometimes are we a little bit too too soft as a as a church and not tackling these bigger issues and thinking it's a British thing, isn't it? We don't like to be uh, embarrassed, or we don't like to talk about um, very deeply personal things. But I think as a church, that's what we've got to do if we're gonna. Um, if we're going to grow as as spiritual people and as as a um, as a church as well, I'd like to go on a, a little tangent. Uh, so so far we've discussed sin and we've we've stayed very much in the realm of what is what is and isn't personal sin for us and people, uh, yeah, and just people in general. But I guess I'd like to discuss quickly the idea of sin as an institution or a system. And how actually this, this and this this fits really well with this idea of breaking shalom and not fitting in with God's uh, desired kingdom that He will establish here on earth. And you know, you mentioned like what's going on in America, and we talk about racism and these these evil injustices that are systems put in place to oppress people. And I often think that that that's that is sin in at the very heart of it and that is and i just feel that god surely must care more about like those systems of oppression and injustice and systemic institutional sin than personal um and sometimes it feels like we put all the emphasis on oh uh, maybe i uh, lied to someone told a white lie or maybe i did this like tiny things that you know aren't great and they don't leave lead us to life in all its fullness but when you compare it to the weight of some of the the huge systemic sin that we see in culture and through government policy and all those sort of things. Be interesting to hear your thoughts on on that. Even though that wasn't a question, it was a ramble. <laughs> I think the the um, like in, institutionalism and and thing it it can be a lot harder for me personally. I I often run to like what what can I what can I do about that i mean particularly if you're going to we're going to talk a little bit about what was in what's going on in america like when you're looking at institutional racism how do you how do you begin to crack that like that and that's this is this is not a new topic like we've been talking about this for 10 20 years 30 years longer long much much longer so so for me that but i, I don't want that to lead me to be um apathetic towards it i don't want to be well i can't do anything so i'll just not bother um so I think, like the institutional thing is 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 a lot more difficult for me. I find it easy to talk about the personal side and and well, my definition and what it is to me. But institutionally, it's yeah, I find that a lot a lot harder. I don't know what you guys think. I don't know if that's the same. Um, I think it, it, I can get lost in the smallness of me compared to a nation or a, you know a police force or a, a government. Um, it becomes difficult to know how to to tackle that, other than through debate and conversation. And I and I do wonder if does do when you're talking about Nick, like how do we crack it and how do we how do we make that change? Does that not then where it becomes a personal thing of we we tackle our own prejudices and our own injustices and we share that with our circles and then it becomes. A wave, and I feel like that is kind of what we're seeing. Um, the positive coming from America is that 
people are choosing to address their own personal injustices and their own personal opinions and saying actually no I'm not just going to sit and think this is a this is an institutional issue that's been going on for years I can't change it and actually saying well what can I do in my small corner yeah I think you're right I think you're absolutely right in how to change that you can change yourself and it it grows wider um it's it's difficult because I'm not sure that to me don't feel like that's enough I, I don't feel like just me doing me is enough to um, to to impact that, particularly when you're looking at such a massive, uh, a massive thing. Uh, it's something, and and something is always better than nothing, um, absolutely. But I, I, and I don't know what the answer is. I'm tr- trying really hard to figure it out, but I don't know what it is. Uh, I think sim- to what Lauren said, linked to that, what we can see is, for the first time in a long time, all fifty states in America have had protests about the Black Lives Matter. Like, that just shows how it started as something in Minneapolis and then one person led to the next person, added to the state, which added to the next state, which has now got a whole country up and talking about this issue that needs to be addressed. So I think you're right in the sense of that it is a big industrial issue, but like Lauren says, each person person that takes that issue as an offence to themselves and then multiplies and then carries that on, we consider that event it does become it does the problem doesn't look as big as it first did. Yeah, and I think that's biblical, isn't it? It's the concept that God is already doing the work. We just need to join in with it, and He multiplies what we give to Him. And although it, like you said, Nick, it feels very small and very insignificant. If you add that to the greater plan and the greater work that God's doing in the kingdom, then I believe in a God that can use that if that makes sense yeah i suppose the, the answer to my own question is i guess being uh intentional about how we vote is is an important part of that um mm. of, of what the things that we support and the things that we um yeah that we choose to reject are all very very important i, I suppose yeah that's probably a wider thing um uh, yeah politics is quite it's a, it's a hot topic at the moment isn't it but i think we do have to be really intentional and do our research as to what the things that we do support and and uh, whether that fits with what we agree to be uh, Christian values. Yeah, I think when, if we apply the same lens that we apply personal sin, that we've just applied personal sin to, of looking at it th- through a lens of grace, you then can also flip that on its head and when we say we sort of sin, using the word sin almost makes it look like we're trying to point a finger at something rather than trying to do something about it. And I think when you flip it on its head, in that sense, you then go from saying, oh, this is a massive issue, it's too big to do anything about, to what can I do about it? It becomes a personal sort of thing, I can I can go and do this, I can go and do this. And I think maybe when we're talking about systemic or institutionalised sin, we need to look at it through a lens of, well, what what can I do about it, not just... You know, this this is a horrendous thing, and we kind of just bash it a little bit. Yeah. If that makes sense. What do you guys do as as far as um, like research as to the uh, companies that you buy from and where where we shop and things like that? I know that there's um, it's a lot better now than it, than it used to be, but there's still a lot of issues about 
um, slave labour and, and those kind of issues. Um, do you guys tend to do, to do a lot of research and look into things or do you just consume and not really think too much about it? Yeah, I, I've been really thinking about this recently and I try, but it's so hard and it, it's an utter minefield in when you start looking into it. And it's not it's not one issue as well, especially when it's it's down to money and who we're giving our money to. Uh, because you kind of hear this company has got a terrible record with um, human trafficking, sl- uh, modern slavery. Uh, this company's got a uh, terrible tra- um, track record with racism or sexism or homophobia or any kind of other prejudice. Or um, And there's so many issues and trying to bear all of that into making moral decisions on where we spend our money is really hard. And now, even down to like... I mean, there's a lot of problems, uh, problems we talk about with Amazon. Um, but when I saw in the news a few weeks ago that Jeff Bezos was going to become the world's first trillionaire, and I, I, I felt sick. I genuinely felt sick that there, that we have a system that allows people to accumulate wealth that could feed countries for decades, if not centuries. This is like the system we have. Like I'm getting really, <laughs> uh, in some ways, political here, but it's it's so broken like down to its very core and it it makes you feel very powerless um there's a great website that looks into modern slavery and it's called slaveryfootprint.com and you kind of answer it takes you through a survey and you answer a low oh sorry slaveryfootprint.org and it's a survey and it takes you through um a load of questions about how you live where you live what sort of um things you do in your day-to-day and uh, products that you use and it will estimate how many slaves at some point in the production line work for you indirectly man that's hard and it's it's a really difficult read and it gives you lots of information along the way but it's it opens yeah it really opens your eyes into the world that we live in and how how far this systemic sin and injustice is ingrained in the fabric of our society, whether we see it overtly or not. Yeah, that, that, the, that questionnaire sounds like something that we should all definitely do. So what I think might be best is if if we put that questionnaire in the listener group, if you're not a part of our, uh, some sort of miracle listener group on Facebook, uh, just search up SSOM listener group, uh, and if you request to join, we'll add you to it, and then we're going to put that questionnaire in there, uh, and then we can have a nice discussion in there at a later date about it as well. I think that, to me, links into... It's really hard because I know that there's a lot of companies out there doing it, but I've kind of put myself off doing the research because that becomes an issue for me then if I'm supporting them, and, and that's probably worse, to be honest. It's worse actually knowing and doing it. Um, so I feel a little bit challenged on that to um, to go through and, and have a look and maybe avoid some companies. And, and I know that there's a few, particularly in like the sportswear industry, that are um, that don't have particularly good reputations Um but yeah, I feel like that's a that's a big challenge. Um, but I think that links back to when we were talking about the the sinful thing, like knowingly doing it. I think if you knowingly put off doing it as well, it's you're in a similar kind of camp. Ignorance isn't always bliss, is it? Yeah, I think what on a on more positive side of it, there is so much more transparency with businesses now that if we went back twenty years, we wouldn't be able to find out what was going on. But the fact that we like like you say, it's it's not nice to see that you're you're supporting something like even if you unwillingly. But now the fact that I think that we can look at it, businesses have to be transparent about what they're doing. 
I think we, we just have to do it now because then that's the only way it's going to get rid of us, people actively. Pers- like personal sin, if pe- people personally want to change that and not support it, they've got to go find the information and then once they've found the information, they can change their behaviours. It becomes a real issue, um, but it can become like a logistical nightmare to find out all those things. Can you, like, going around the supermarket, for example, and you see, oh, they don't have the brand I'd normally buy, even if by chance I have researched every brand I'm going to buy in a supermarket where I do like £100 shop, then they don't have that brand. Well, do I need to go home then and then research what's sort of eco-friendly and what's, what's helping the planet and what's not contributing to the slave trade? And there's, there's a million different questions you have to ask to buy one product. And because of the society we live in, that's, it makes it virtually impossible to do all the research you need to do in that time. And sometimes it is just about the convenience. Like it has to be. It is about convenience too. Is like, not everyone's got all the all the time in the world. Like you say, to be researching every brand, they just they just need to go do the weekly shop because that's the only time they've got in the week. Or they need new clothes. They need a new shirt for school, and they've just got to get the cheapest one because that's all they can afford. There's so many factors that come into that as well. It's just hard for people to be so. It, not open-minded to it, but just being able to physically be able to do that sort of thing. I think sometimes you just, even even with all the transparency in business, it's not it's not possible to know everything. Um, it's it's just not not possible. But that doesn't does that does that make it less of a sin if you just say oh it's not possible so I'm not going to try and look and then we go back to sort of what we were saying before about is is it a sin if you sort of if you didn't realise like when you said about the moral the moral differences and the objective and the subjective. Yes, um, it's a challenge that I think it's. Um... It's definitely worth um, looking into that. So I think it's something I'll do as soon as we finish recording this. I'll jump on that website and, and have a look. So we, I think, are getting on to... Is this our third or fourth question? I've lost track of where we are. Uh, I've got a question that kind of links to um, to what we were saying there. So we were talking about the difference between subjective and objective sin. Um are all sins equal was the question for from me um so what do we think about that do we think one sin is the same as another um in regards to that do we think that the same sin is the same for everyone i think oh yeah i definitely i i wouldn't agree with that i think i it's, it's certainly something that i've believed and told others in the past uh when i was younger i i, I don't really know where that came from this idea that all sins are equal because I have I haven't found it in the Bible particularly um, in explicit terms certainly and yeah that that idea that you know uh, I guess the argument goes that because God is perfect anything that falls short of perfection or um, or, or God is is as far away from perfection as each other but I'm just not sure logically that tracks anymore and um, yeah, I, I would say no. I don't think all sins are equal. I think some some are horrendous that you know cause horrendous suffering for millions of people, and some cause us you know slightly uh, to to reap the the bad rewards of it. The bad rewards. What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Consequences. I, f- I think even if you flipped it on his head as well, and then looked at the other side of it. So like, if we look at God's gifts and God's miracles that he performs are all the miracles equal? I wouldn't say so. So for me, that's where I'd get my judgment for that, is that if I, can't, if I see some of God's gifts 
as unequal. If I see someone's God's gifts unequal, I'd have to view sin as unequal as well. Because, but then, ha- then how do you judge? And then we go back to the point: how do you judge what sin is equal to what? And then now I've got myself in a bit of a minefield in my own brain. In response to what you said, Ed, um, I think in in James somewhere it does say about if he's guilty of breaking one, he's guilty of breaking them all. Uh, I'm talking about like the law. Let me see if I can find it. Sorry, one second. Right. Uh, James 2 verse 10 yeah, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point he is guilty of all I guess that's where that's being pulled out from um, yeah. Yeah. as as all all sins are equal um, it's diff- I think it's looking at um, it's obviously looking at a really binary right wrong if it's wrong then that's one and if it's right then it's, that's the other and that's there's no separation between it can't be a little bit wrong or a little bit right. It's either one or the other, which I I can understand that and that makes sense. Um, I think if you're looking at from a moral point of view, it's changes slightly, and, and even more so from a legal point of view. When you're looking at prison sentences and things like that, again it changes again. So um, I guess that's human made law rather than rather than God's law. Um, however, I don't, I don't I'm not sure what I think. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I think there's a little bit, um, I think we've, sometimes we've gone at um, th- this kind of point from sections in the Bible where they've been saying that we, because we sin, we're imperfect, so we're all imperfect, so we're all equal because we're all imperfect, um, because we've all made mistakes. And I think, in in my opinion, in my interpretation of those passages that I was looking at, um, I think it's that the writer who was, generally speaking paul if it's in the new testament um i'm just name dropping myself that's all um but i think he's coming from a grace perspective saying we all need to seek out grace together as a united group of people but i think sometimes it's misinterpreted as a well you've all made a sin so because you've sinned in this way and you've sinned in this different way you're all the same and you've all sinned to the same amount but i think it's we all we all need grace we all need grace the same amount and i think sometimes it's misinterpreted as well, that means we've all done the exact same amount of sin, if that makes sense. Yeah, because I wonder if maybe it's the concept that it's equal as in every sin separates us from God in some way. So we all need that grace, we all need that forgiveness of Jesus to be able to, like, reunite with God. That's what I was trying to say, so, yeah. you've done it better. Yeah, yeah no, but I, I, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, yeah. Yeah, I find the word "separate" from God difficult as well because I guess I don't I don't believe that sin separates us from God. Like, I mean, I'm I'm with you. Ed. I think exactly the same point. I thought it's it's just terminology, but actually, yeah, I'm not sure anything. Like you said, like the Bible says, nothing can separate us from from God. Mm. So, mm. I, I guess I think for me, the separation from the kingdom is it makes sense. Uh, it's a nuance, but I think it's an important one to to know. What would you say the difference is? Because I'm, I don't think I'm with you. So to to be separate from God means that that, that there's a break between us, for me. But to be separate from the kingdom is means I'm missing out on what God's doing here. I don't think anything can separate me from God because I, he's he's always going to be there and he's always going to love me. But I can be separate from what he's doing through my own choices. Yeah, and that's that's where I'm at, Nick. And maybe just the way I word it isn't right. Um, but it's that I don't want to say damaging to 
to my relationship with God, but it just, it, I, I believe we can be closer to God at times and further away from God at times, but that's our doing, not because God doesn't want us to be there or because he's trying. But I do think certain behaviours and certain choices that we make can push us further away from God than we're intended to be. Yeah, and I think that is that's kind of a, a huge conversation, I guess, around spiritual disciplines as well. And I know that when I um, live a certain way, when I'm in a routine of, for me, reading and listening to podcasts and I get stretching my my faith and understanding, that is the thing that makes me feel really close to God. And I know that um, even if I were to kind of do a lot of things that um, you're taught in Sunday school that that is how you you live a good Christian life. Not all of those things are what make me like what ignite my faith and make me feel close to God. So that is a subjective thing, and maybe that's a whole other episode about spiritual disciplines. And um, yeah, so I think something that ties quite nicely into that is um, I've got a Bible verse from Hebrews ten, um, and he's they're talking about um, when Jesus came what what the change was from sort of the old way of living to what the new way could be. Um, and it says, um, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings. You have given me a body to offer. And I think it shifts the perspective away from the Old Testament view of we sin and then we sort of make a sacrifice and then, it's okay until we feel guilty about it again and we need to do something and it's the living in living in sort of the lifestyle of Jesus and in the way of Jesus and in the body of Jesus that we sort of get away from that. So to play devil's advocate. Oh no. I may have I may have interpreted this wrong, but so if if we're saying that Jesus has died for all our sins, does that mean sin does sin mean anything anymore then? If Jesus yeah. can just wipe it like that. Yeah, because that's where the need for repenting right i i love the the phrase that sin is its own punishment and i I find that really helpful and that idea that um often we we've pushed all of that idea of sin onto if you commit this god's going to remember and then smite you for it at some point where actually with this idea of avoiding sin being a lifestyle that leads you into life in all its fullness um when we do commit sin it is that sin itself that has consequences on our lives and so if i commit the sin of adultery i know that that's not going to be good for my marriage if i commit the sin of murder i know i'm going to spend the rest of my life in prison these are real world things that have real world consequences for us and that that's how i would approach that i think yeah that, that i think that's in uh, must be we must have read the same book ed um because I find that really, really helpful. Um, the the fact that it, the, the choice then be, it becomes my choice. I I can choose to be a part of what's going on and what what God, um, has to offer and life in all its fullness, or I can choose not to, um, and I can miss out on all of that. Um, and that yeah, and uh, as a result of that, the the sin that I commit becomes the punishment for itself. Um, I I find that a really helpful way to, first of all, just to um kind of separate everything out in my own mind but second of all just to keep myself 
um, accountable and, and um, on track with things. Um, but that's again that's fairly fairly recent revelation um, f- for me. That that whole perspective shift of uh, the separation from from God's kingdom and His work here. I just kind of think that I'm 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 kind of struggling with because we said that sin sin can be individualistic. If you then don't see something as a sin, why would you repent it? Or am I just talking gobbledygook? I think I'm just reading into it too much. I think that there's an element of trust in there as well. Because sometimes when we we delve into scripture and when we really grapple with um, the life of Jesus, we see things that we don't always get on board with. And I'm not saying that we should instantly just throw away critical thinking and get on board with anything because I don't believe that. But um, there's been times where I, I've certainly had friends that have, have said, actually, I think, you know, this, that decision there won't, won't be good for you in the long run. And even though when you, when you don't see it, you, you trust those people sometimes because you love them. And I think if you reach a point where you've grappled with scripture, you've spoken to people around you that, um, have good understanding and wisdom and just everything you've done with really engaging with a topic comes back to something that you perhaps do- doesn't sit well maybe maybe there's an element of trusting in god and trusting in those around you i mean i'm, I'm cringing hearing myself say that because i don't like the idea of it but i wonder if there's truth in that what do you think i would also argue um thinking about your question jacob um that that the role of the holy spirit living within us um in that we don't necessarily make that decision for ourselves but we're we're prompted to have those feelings of discomfort or that shame or the guilt that surrounds it and that those little doubts in the back of our mind that says should i really have done that and to me that's that's the relationship you have with god and the privilege we have of living with the holy spirit within us i think the, the notion of trust is quite an important one i think that's the trust in god but also the trust in uh in yourself being authentic with yourself i think it's really important because we're the best one in the world like for me the gym's a perfect example summertime i just can't be bothered um and i'll just mug myself and think well i'll just do this and i'll go home um, rather than being sticking to discipline and thinking actually this is better for me to do it this way I can just tell myself a story that you've done enough today or you know and then off you go so um I think that that the whole thing is underpinned by that uh, that brutal honesty with yourself of actually am I just telling myself a story here or is is what I'm thinking actually true uh yeah so I'm going to ask an awkward question um so if we say that sin is I think we kind of agreed that sin is quite individualistic and probably based on morals. And we've also said that sin is its own punishment. So we tend to, when we know that we've sinned, we feel guilt and things like that. Um, Does that mean that it's better to not tell people about Jesus because they won't then know about it and then they won't have the morals to sin and they won't have sinned because they didn't know about it? Does that make sense? Do you see that? I'm not saying that we should, just to clarify, just so I don't, you know, get shunned from church and stuff. But I just want to pose Yeah, I've heard that um, that question posed as when people come into church, um, it's we do a thing where we we throw a bucket of water over them and then offer them a towel. 
And I think that's a, that's an interesting um, metaphor because it's essentially saying that we we present them with a solution to a problem that they didn't have until they came. Yeah, I think uh, pretty much you've put it a better way than I was. I was going to think um, missing out on that life in all its fullness would be the bit that kind of disrupts the argument as to why we why we sh- that's the argument for sorry why we should tell them about things is because of what they're missing out on but i think yeah it, that depends on on uh, varying degrees of factors like how how church is done how um how we welcome new people how we understand them um i think we can be guilty as you said we can be guilty of you know chucking what other people and then then rather than chatting things through and understanding where they're at um so I, I get the question actually it's a good it's a good question to ask definitely um but i think missing out on all of those joys that that come that can only come from knowing god would be the antidote to the question really i'm glad there was an answer to that that would have been a really awkward question to ask if anyone has gone oh yeah actually you were i agree with nick yeah definitely i think yeah nothing can be a substitute for a relationship with jesus and it, there's a the small matter of eternal life as well just so I think a nice question to like kind of end it all with is, should should sin be as much of a central theme in Christianity as it has become? I think I think it's um, it's quite a big question because, like I said earlier on, I think um, we kind of people have made lists over time of what sin is and what you should do and what you shouldn't do, and I think originally it was probably to try and help people understand better when they couldn't sort of like when they couldn't read the Bible themselves. Um, there is an argument, and Ed's looking at me in a, an odd way to suggest that it might be for control as well. But I'm not going to go there. Um, but I think um, I think it in a lot of in a lot of ways it has become about, like you said earlier as well, Ed, um, throwing a bucket of water at someone and then giving them a towel. Um, I think it's become about find, finding the flaws in each other so that we can try and fix them when actually we should just be trying to fix each other. Forget about what the flaws are. Um, I guess the the thing is it can't it can't not be central to it because that is what what's gone wrong in the big plan, isn't it? So it can't not be an integral part of it. But I think it has to come hand in hand with grace would be my argument. I think there's only one central theme in Christianity, and that is that God is love. I'm not sure, and everything else seems to be inconsequential. Uh, alongside that i think that's the most important thing for me um so that, that god is love and i think that that sums up the whole narrative of of the bible and and what it means to be uh to be a christian so for me i don't think it should be as, as central as it be I, I thought when i was thinking about this earlier on, i thought i'd come up with a really really good idea all on my own um, and I did a little bit of research around it and figured out that somebody else had already thought about it. So <laughs> it's not my not my original idea. But I thought people people are are, are people inherently good and have a um, a nature to sin, or are we inherently sinful and have a nature to good? Like it's, it's, it depends on which way you look at that as to how you see the central theme of Christianity. And for me, I think we I think Christianity is about God being love um, and and how we can join in with what he's doing here on earth. I think there's so many different bits that come off, and there's an offshoot of that, and I think sin is one of those. But I don't think it is as in the most important thing in Christianity, should I say. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, such such a hard line, and you brought up that idea of are we inherently good or inherently geared towards sin, and you know I find it so hard to accept, and it's a it's a dominant doctrine in most church really that we are inherently geared towards sin. I mean, I've just looked up the Salvation Army doctrine, and the fifth one. Um, we believe that our first parents were created in a state of innocency, but by their disobedience, they lost their purity and happiness. And that in consequence of the fall, all men have become sinners, totally depraved. And as such are justly exposed to the wrath of God. And, you know, there's a lot of theological working that you can do around that to, to explain it in better language, I think. And I think that part of the problem I have with that is the language it's used to explain it. But the central idea that, that is at the heart of Christian faith. I find really hard. I agree with you. I think the heart of the Christian faith, I totally agree, is that God is love and God came and became man and lived out that loving life on earth and took that to the most extreme death on a on a cross. And as yeah, we've we've in my opinion, we've allowed sin to shift to the center where love should always be. And you know that is a there is a flip side of everything that. Um, we are called into life in all its fullness and Jesus offers us a life in all its fullness. But, you know, if we choose not to live that, there are consequences to bad choices we make. And so sin is part of the conversation, but it shouldn't be where our eyes are fixed. I think there's a, an interesting part at the start of that doctrine. We've still got that off. Yep. What was the first sentence, like the first, literally the first few words? Uh, we believe that our first parents were created in a state of innocency. Yeah. So then we've, we've said that and then gone, oh, but but actually, no, I don't. Because we've been doctrinated in sin, sin is the thing we should be focusing on. We've, we've said that and then gone, actually, aside from that, we're going to just move on to this bit. And I think that's really interesting that that's the first bit, but then the rest of it suddenly goes, oh, no, but sin, actually. Yeah, that's kind of talking through the, the fall, isn't it? The Adam and Eve story. Um, yeah. It's interesting that they were born in innocence and then sin came to them. I was just, but then that's not that's not the theme that's carried on after that, and I think that's a little bit it's almost contradictory of itself. I think it's a matter of perspective, isn't it? It's how it's how we build uh, what uh, how we see um, God. Uh, essentially, that's what what we're gonna, that's where all the strands will come from is our perception of, of who God is, um, and if we see Him as a you know, an angry headmaster who's wagging his finger and saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and not as a loving father with his arms open saying, come to me, we'll figure this out. Um, those two things will naturally define what you think the central theme of, to Christianity to be. And, and for me, that loving father is is where I, how I see God to be and how I believe the Bible depicts him. Um, so for me... I don't think that the sin being a, a central theme, although it is a, a theme, as I said, I don't think it is the central theme to, to Christianity at all. It, it's part of the conversation, as you said. it. So how would you say, or to what extent, has your definition of sin changed from the start of the episode to now? I think my focus has shifted a little bit from what we've been talking about. Like we said at the start, focusing on sin as opposed to focusing on grace from the mistakes that we make um, and I think in wider scenarios like we talked about um, systemic and institutional sin focusing on the bad is quite easy especially when our news headlines and everything are full of 
that currently, especially the institutionalized racism across the globe, I think to look at to look at that in a light of what would what would Jesus do for some reason didn't crop up when I was thinking about sin. Um, but I think sometimes we we put that that lens on that we look at sin as well it's something that we need to fix, but we need to first point out all the bad things. Whereas I think we need to remember that grace is the overriding factor in Jesus's life. Yeah, I, that's helpful. And what you just said actually made me think um, about this idea of grace and how it's been very easy to accept grace on a personal level. I've found at times <laughs> where I, I've been very thankful and grateful for it, but actually it's given me real hope when we talk about institutional systemic sin, that, God is a God of um, restoration and love and grace. And in that we can put our hope in when, even when all seems hopeless with institutional systemic sin, we talked about feeling powerless when we see uh, to to do anything to these major things, but actually we believe in a God that is not powerless and does love deeply and has enormous grace and power to, to restore. That's what that, that which is broken so yeah i guess the conversation i went into it feeling fearful and i've left it feeling hopeful so there's your there's your line (laughs) so i think that just about brings us to the end um thank you so much for listening um we really hope that you uh, have enjoyed this episode and we'd really love to hear what you think we'd really love to um hear some of your experiences and opinions because we're aware that we are five people with in some ways limited um experiences in different areas that we've discussed tonight so we would love to uh, to hear your your stories on that um so you can do that in the listener uh listener group that we've discussed earlier on and like jacob said you can find that on facebook just by typing in um ssom listener group is that right yeah yeah so just uh, find that there and we'll post in the um, slaveryfootprint.org survey and yeah we'd love to hear your thoughts on that there so yeah thanks again for listening and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode bye bye yeah bye